Hey everyone, welcome back to Commander Crunch. Before we get started today, just a quick dropping in to let you know that this beautiful, amazing, delicious, crunchy podcast is brought to you by both puremtgo.com, where you can find articles on all different formats of magic, and of course, Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, because if you're in Australia, New Zealand, or Malaysia, go there for all of your auction needs. Now, on to the damn podcast. Welcome to Commander Crunch episode nine. Uh, this is your home for commander culture, creativity, and community. Uh, your n- nutritious serving of tasty commander treats served up on the regular. I'm one of your hosts, Sam, and I'm joined by the magnificent Lord Chesh. How you doing, Chesh? Oh, I thought the magnificent was going to be the guest, but now I just feel flattered. Hi, how's everyone I'm doing? I'm going to pump you up before I pump up our uh, even even more important guest. I'll <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no, good, good. But uh, we, we are finally, finally joined today by uh, a guest that I'm very, very excited about. Uh, none other than the magnificent, uh, even more so magnificent, uh, Gavin Verhe, Senior Magic Designer and Writer for Wizards of the Coast. Uh, how are you doing, Gavin? I am doing great. I don't have an Australian accent, but other than that, I feel like I'm in pretty good shape <laughs> to be here. And uh, I'm really excited yeah. to talk about a bunch of cool upcoming magic stuff, especially, you know, things around a little format called Commander. Some people here might might care about. Uh, just a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, I mean, apparently, as, you know. as our <laughs> listeners know, sometimes we, we talk about maybe 20 percent of Commander and then the rest just big life topics. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Well, and, and I mean, well, I, keen to see your view on life topics, too. <laughs> I, I would say that emulates a Commander game pretty well a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, you're about playing th- Commander 20 percent of the game and the other 80 percent you're just talking about football or something i don't know and i think that's i think that's the secret to <laughs> it anyway and, 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 football is cricket the thing to say i don't i don't know <laughs> oh well, totally, totally allegedly i wonder <laughs> i wonder how long i can go in this podcast while people are still thinking i'm a cool person if i keep saying sports references <laughs> we're gonna run out of those really fast so um keep your illusions uh keep your illusions around for now no, I don't worry. People quiz me about Australian rules football, and I'm like, no, nothing, nothing, just cricket. So, um, yeah, same with cricket, actually. Anyway, but uh, of course, uh, you've got an interesting uh, background, Gavin. Uh, the job that I know a lot of people like, well, you know, every, every armchair expert reckons they can do. But um, yeah, tell us a little bit about how you got into uh, your line of work, really, because I know I've heard a couple of, um, you know, recalls of your story, but uh, it's, it's always really interesting. Yeah, well, fortunately, I could probably tell this one hundred times and I have told it easily hundreds of times and I still, <laughs> still love it. So, you know, um, I started playing Magic when I was 10 years old. So I was a 10-year-old kid. Invasion was the newest set. I started playing and me and my brother started playing at home together and we just fell in love with it. Like We, we kind of set all of our video games off to the side and it, it was in January and by the time it hit summer, it was all we wanted to do. We were super into it. And by the time I was 11, I was like, well, this is the best. I'm going to go get a job at Wizards Designing Magic Cards. That's it. It's just that, that that's it. I've decided my career path. I'm 11 years old. Let's do this. Um, and so I went to the Odyssey pre-release in September, October of that year. And I live in Seattle and still do live in Seattle. And that's fortunate because, of course, a lot of wizards are around here, given that's where we're based. And Randy Bueller was there. Now, Randy was the VP of R&D at the time, so he kind of called the shots, and he was someone I knew knew about and looked up to. And I tracked down Randy, and um, I came up to him. I was 11 years old, and I said, hey, I'm ready to come work for you. What should I do? Like, where do I sign up? What's the deal, you know? 
And he looked at me really seriously. Once again, I'm 11. He looked at me really seriously. <laughs> and he's like, all right, kid, you're going to need two things. The first thing you're going to need is a college degree. And my heart just sinks, right? It's like, I'm 11 <laughs> years old. That's going to take forever. Like, oh my gosh, you know, it's going to be years. But the second thing he says is that you should be a really good magic player because we often like to hire people who know the game really well and are professional mm. players. And I thought, well, I don't know about this whole college degree thing, but like a pro magic player, that's got to be easy, right? Um, so from that moment <laughs> forward, I was like, all right, well, I, I got to go pro at this thing. And so I dedicated myself to that. And, you know, to make a, a long story medium length, I went pro. I qualified for my first pro tour when I was 16. I also started college when I, when I was 15 and a half. And um, then I just totally went up through that circuit. And I graduated college um, uh, before I was 21. And I had played numerous pro tours at that point. I was basically, magic was my job. I was writing for Star City Games and I was playing in pro level events. And I was fresh out of college. And I was like, all right, well, I, I did the things. I did the thing. Like I, I <laughs> went through college, check. Pro player, check. How am I going to get a job at Wizards? And... Um, at the same time, I've been talking about with many friends about a, a new format idea. You see, at the time, and it's almost hard to imagine now because this was mm. what you know, ten years ago, over ten years ago. But back then, the formats you could play that were not limited really were standard, which is as we know it currently, and then you had legacy and vintage, which are you know everything as they are now. But then the the format between the two was called extended, and extended was the last few years of cards, and it rotated. Uh, it rotated. It was not a non-rotating format. And I had this idea for a format that would go between the, the two, uh, a non-rotating format. And this might start to sound very, very familiar. And as we mm. all know, this non-rotating format started with Invasion. Yes, that's right. Uh, invasion was the, the cutoff that I chose, which is a little <laughs> different than what uh, Wizards ultimately chose a few sets later. But what I didn't know is at the same time I was working on this, Wizards was working on what would become modern. And so I started running events um, and I started creating like a little Magic Online League uh, where people would show up every week to play. And before I knew it, I was getting 100 plus people playing in these events I was running online. And I was getting stores around the world to play this format. It was totally a grassroots roots thing. And Wizards saw this and was like, wow, this is really, really something. Um, and used that data to help inform their decisions about modern. And then even switched over Pro Tour Philadelphia on a pretty short notice to become a modern format Pro Tour. And so after that, it wasn't long um, after that I that I was contacted to take a test to see if I wanted to come work for Wizards. Um, there are a lot of other strong candidates to my test, but I was the one that was hired. And I've been there um, almost nine years now, which is pretty wild. Amazing. And that's, so that, that, that's yeah. the uh, somewhere between medium and long version of the story. <laughs> no, that, that was excellent. Yeah, for older players, you might remember a lot of those uh, as Type 1, Type 1.5, and Type 2. Just say it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to get into the, the number, the number system, some people yeah, still, is- still to this day call standard type two, um, type two, yeah. which is, I, I do it now and again, accidentally. Yeah. You it's know, almost and like it, this power move, you know, it's like, like if, if, if there, you want to play a game, here's a game that I do not recommend anybody plays because it would be very mean, but anyone could play, which is next time you're hanging out with a bunch of magic players, which in the States might be another, another century um, down there in Australia probably oh. isn't going to be that much longer. Um, <laughs> is, <a> year <laughs> yeah. Who, who knows? Um, is just try and see how many magic terms you can say that other people will know, but you're using a different name for them and see, see if you can figure, if they can figure out what you're talking about. Just be like, yeah, you know, I took my, um, my type two miracle grow deck 
<laughs> down to um, my local um, my local GPT, and uh, you know I was I was trying to play some some Swiss uh, tournament style and just see what people say about that. You know. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just agree. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. No one. And yeah, Chesh said that uh, you had the, the the kind of vernacular about the different um, competitions we used to have back in Australia too, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, all, all the numbers were, whole new world. Were, all the numbers down there are reversed, right? That's how it works in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like the the 2.5 and the 5k that we used to have here. Like, I won one of the 5ks um, that I was working at the store who actually put it on. Uh, which was hilarious, but that was like back in the day, and it was just after they stopped doing the the badges. So, and the only reason I wanted to win, I didn't care about the money. I didn't care about like an invite to like you know a PTQ or anything like that. I literally just wanted one of those bloody pins, and I missed it by three months. And I was so so very angry because I was like, all I wanted was a cool pin to to show that I was like a cool magic player, and now they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those were the days. Uh, good stuff. I was just thinking that now the modern kind of state of magic anyway is is that that all kind of leads into like we've got our con- competitive space for magic, of course, but a big thing inevitably is, is you know, the, the growth of Commander and, and as we like to call it, the gathering uh, is, is the biggest thing I think promoted in that. But uh, I know a lot of what you do now is really taken up by that and, and, and what does Commander mean to you these days? Yeah, well, you know, I think if you were to separate magic into a few different eras... Mm. The things have changed a lot since the game started. And for a very long time, I would say the focus of magic was for a lot of people, for a lot of what you thought about when you thought about magic was solely competitive play. And we're now in a world where competitive play is still very important to us. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of uh, fun stuff we're doing in that, in that space, but commander has become a de facto casual format. And I actually, I, I want to talk about this too. I, I use the word casual there. Um, Mm. I try not to use the word casual anymore because casual means so many things and it kind of has this stigma around it, right? Whenever you say, oh yeah, yeah. we're going to go play casual, it's, it just, it doesn't really, I think, showcase well what this kind of play is. And I've I've been trying to get people to start saying social play because that's what it is. You know, I'm a, I'm a competitive player. I've played on many, many pro tours. Uh, I wouldn't say that my commander play is casual. My decks Mm. have a lot of sweet cards in them, but it is definitely social. And, um, I've been trying to get that, that changeover. To, to happen. So anyway, I think we're in this world of social play now. And of course, we're, we're still going to have great pro level events, but you're also seeing stuff like the growth of the commander format. You're seeing formats like Battle Bond and Conspiracy and even Unsets mm. be really, really popular. And it's this whole, this whole new audience, which, was, which frankly was there the whole time, but they just never had a voice. We never did stuff for them. That's now finally getting a chance to kind of grow and thrive and talk. And, you know, when you think about commander, we released the first commander product. Back in 2011, I believe, the very first mm. Commander decks. And every year since then, more or less, with, with one exception, we've released just a pair of Commander decks, or sorry, uh, five Commander decks, four or five Commander decks. Mm. And since then, the format has grown to tremendous heights. Like, if you think about Commander in 2011 to where it is now, it's not even close. It's a whole new level. And so it makes sense that, that now we would kind of revolutionize how much we're doing with Commander to accurately match the player base, because it is the way to play Magic for so many people out there. Now, it's not the only thing we're focusing on. We're still putting a ton of work into our main sets, making sure that our draft environments are great. Uh, of course, Standard has, has plenty of, of um, ups and downs over the past you know, <laughs> year, year and a half. And I, you know, I would be, I'd be remiss if I did not say yes. We're very well aware of that. Um, but we are trying to craft those environments to be as good as possible. And um, so there, there's been a, 
there is a ton of effort put into our normal stuff too, like our, our mainline sets. But um, this kind of new social audience is really important to us. And everything from Commander, which is a multiplayer format, to even something like Mystery Booster, which is a one-on-one format, but very much captures that kind of social play oh, Definitely. Vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of elegance that goes into that when it, it does, uh, it can span a lot of things, you know, like it, it can be a product that has, like you say, an amazing draft environment and, and that's been engineered to be that way. But at the same time, you're getting your sweet commander cards. And I mean, that's, that's the way I think that gives me the greatest happiness in the game when you can, you can kind of cover a few bases there that I, I adore limited, I think. And then limited is the type of format I, I, I go to, to, you know, you want to win some games. It's exactly right. And commander I'll, I'll put that priority down on the list because my priority is having a good time but like you say i don't want that stigma to be casual is bad type thing yeah, exactly and i think social is a, a really good way to um to put that word in into place essentially so um i can see i mean you've got you've got your uh, stamp on quite a few of these aforementioned sets for sure and, and some of my favorites but uh, i might just run through a little uh i had your design lead on command 2017 you were responsible for, yeah, I mean, we talked about Mystery Boosters, of course, lead developer on Battlebond, uh, lead developer of Commander 2018, and then also involved in, yeah, like I said, two of my favorites, Conspiracy and Conspiracy 2. And, uh, I, I mean, you put up a Twitter poll the other day about if you could have one more of these sets, which would it be? And I felt like I was one of the only ones, uh, you know, cheering for Conspiracy, but a lot of people said Battle Battlebond. But, uh, I mean, these have been sets that now, I think they started off as a supplementary set that, some people paid attention to, but now they're the type of thing, especially as commander players, uh, we look forward to as as just also like amazing ways to to revolutionise the way we play outside of commander. Like each of those has introduced a different way to play, be it you know multiplayer draft that kind of thing. So where I was getting with that anyway, Commander Legends coming out very soon. We've heard a few things about it. Uh, tell us a little bit about the development of of the draft format. I'm really keen to hear as as far as was there many things you looked at in different ways that it was going to work? Because I know that is an absolute beast to pull around. How do you how do you gel limited and commanded together? Yeah, well, and I think based on what you just said too, you're really really going to dig it. You know, just to go back to a few things that you mentioned here, um, conspiracy is something I love a lot too. It's it's a great format, and definitely there's a lot of roots from conspiracy in Commander Legends. In fact, I would say mm-hmm. one of the biggest barriers of making a conspiracy three certainly not the only barrier. There there have been many, and there's a reason why there isn't one yet is that there are only so many good conspiracy designs. Like, it's a really narrow yeah. design space. And we ran through a lot of them in the first two. And in fact, really, we were kind of scraping for, for one <laughs> second and the second one. I do have an idea of how I think we could do a third one. And maybe we'll, we'll do someday. We'll see. Um, but, I'll, you know, I think a lot of the good stuff from that you'll find in Commander Legends. And what I love about, about Commander Legends in particular, I mean, there's many things I love, and I'll, I'll get into a story of it in a moment. But one thing I love about it is that it's, it lets you play, of course you can play however you want, it's Commander, but it lets you be a little competitive if you want to. You know, normally I think in mm, Commander, exactly. often competitive Commander players are, I'm not going to say frowned upon, they're like their own branch, right? If you want to play competitive Commander or CEDH, right, that's its own kind of thing, and there's nothing mm. wrong with that. I, I have nothing wrong with CEDH players at all, but it's definitely like its own little branch, and, um, and you know, if you want to play Cutthroat, sometimes that'll get you attacked in a multiplayer game. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, exactly. In command, and there's also, of course, one of the hot, most hot-button topics in the Commander community right now is getting people to be to be paired against the correct opponents, like getting your deck power level right. 
You know, it's like, okay, what power level is your deck? Is it a six? Is it, is, it, is it a seven? Is it a five? And of course, everyone's scale is based on the decks that they're used to, which makes it all... Yeah, the relativity kind of thing. It's very hard to self-examine and, and make that number up and can sometimes get mismatched. Exactly, yeah. So one of the things that I love the most about Commander Legends is that there's none of that. You draft, Indeed. you sit down, you play. There's no worrying about like, uh-oh, did you bring a six or five power level deck? No, like someone passed me this card in this draft, and if I beat you, go blame Jim who passed me a bomb. Exactly. Rate, you know, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's a really nice deviation from the norm. And if you want to be a little more cutthroat, you don't have to worry about like, uh-oh, is my deck more powerful than everyone else's? Am I going to get, get ganged up on? Like, what's the situation? It really does feel a lot more like conspiracy in that in that mm. regard. Just just in terms of like how that that kind of feel goes, the gameplay itself is still way commander. Like on the conspiracy to commander axis, it is commander mm. almost one hundred percent through and through. You're, I mean, the games will take a while to play. Uh, it's not about you're not going to deck like you are in consp- in conspiracy sometimes, right? It's it's quite a different feel. Um, yeah. But just just that feeling of not having to worry about um, some of the preconceived stuff that goes into a game of commander is really really nice. So so really, nice. you know, just to take it all back a notch, where it all came from is this idea I had about combining draft and commander, right? We, we did these pre-con decks, but what if we did a set instead? And the format was growing and, be, and going to be large enough and looking to be large enough, like it could support a draft too. And I had this idea, by the time Commander Legends comes out, it'll been a, have been about six years since I came up with this idea originally. Mm. And I kind of had this eureka moment of a draft commander set. It just makes so much sense. And then, you know, it just took a lot of work and iteration and pitching to people and working on it in the background and, you know, running prototype play tests. And, you know, there were, there were times where I, I felt like a lot of people were on board with it, but there's just never a spot to work on it. I never got the resources greenlit for it until finally there was a hackathon a few years ago. Um, and the hackathon, this is the hackathon that Modern Horizons came out of. This is the Ooh, hackathon wow. that, that Jumpstart came out of. And um, I was like, okay, well, this is my shot to get my product, <laughs> my baby made. I'm going to pitch Commander Legends. And um, fortunately, I knew it was... I mean, this is—it was a little cheating because everyone seemed to love it um, before the the like. I played with a lot of people beforehand, so basically all I had to do was not screw it up, and people <laughs> and it would probably get greenlit as a project out of the out of the hackathon because everyone thought the idea was good. There just hadn't been the space to kind of do this formal presentation, and of course it was a hit. It was one of the the three big winners along with Modern Horizons and um, and Jumpstart. And uh, it was greenlit, and then it's been a long road ever since then. And there's been so many things that have impacted this product. I mean, we haven't actually um, moved back the uh, release of it because we wanted to make sure that we got it right. You know, um, yeah. Draft Commander is it's, it's it's a larger set than normal. Getting Draft Commander right, getting the format for that took took a long time. Getting all the right cards made took a long time, and especially as we saw in the big preview stream not not too long ago, Partner is back in this set. And the combinatorics that partner allows for are just uh, innumerable. Like, I, I think my stat is there's over 1,500 possible partner combinations after the set releases. And so Enjoy. trying to play test as many as we could so that we wouldn't break things upon release was really, really important to us. And we wanted Damn to make sure that if we did this set, we did it right. And, um, I'm, and you know, what I ultimately argued for was we should give this set more time because I would rather take the time and do it right than rush it and have it be bad. And look, I'm not saying that we got 100% correct. In fact, frankly, between us in this room and everyone listening to this show and whoever posted on Reddit, I guess, um, I would be surprised if there wasn't something that that was really strong coming out of the gates, right? When you're releasing Mm -hmm. 41 brand new partners and not to mention all the other legends, there's going to be something that you you probably missed. And that's just... Yes, yeah, yeah. That's just the nature of the beast. 
but I wanted to minimize that as much as possible. And, um, you know, hopefully so the stuff we missed is on the scale of like, okay, it's, it's strong, but it's workable. And, and, you know, fortunately, Commander is a pretty self-balancing format. If there's mm-hmm. something that's too strong, like I know right now, for example, a lot of playgroups would consider Thrasios too strong. You can just say, hey, don't play your Thrasios deck. Or you can be like, okay, well, that was fun. Let's switch out to something else now. You know, there's a yeah. lot of ways you can counterbalance it or just gang up on that person. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Always a try and true strategy. And so here, I mean, I obviously want to be as balanced and as on point as possible. I would be a fool if I if I believed that it was going to be literally perfect coming out of the gates. Mm. And oh. um, my hope my hope is that we got you know all that time we spent, all the iteration and all the outside teams we brought in, like the Commanders Rules Committee and Command Zone and other um, other content creators uh, that we talked about the set with. My hope is that all their feedback really um, made an impact. And uh, fingers crossed, I'm really excited about the set. Obviously, it's it's my baby. I've worked on this thing for a long time. This is the project mm-hmm. at Wizards I've certainly worked on for the longest period of time. Mm. And I'm very proud um, that it's finally coming out later this year. Oh, I love it. It's funny that you should mention the design aspects, though, especially when it comes to uh, with partners. Mm. And, I, and I know that you, you probably already have the gist that this is something I really want to discuss. Uh, and that is the, the discussion around the prismatic piper. Um, and the fact that it's a shapeshifter without the usual shapeshifter text. Now, for those at home, this is a legendary creature. It is colorless, technically speaking. Uh, it is 5 CMC for a 3-3 legendary shapeshifter. Uh, and if it's your commander, then you get to choose a color before the game begins. And the piper becomes that chosen color and, of course, has uh, has partnered. Now, I would suspect the reason it doesn't have any other ability or draw a card when it comes into play or anything like that is just because i mean obviously number one not everything in this set is made for constructed play we get that that that's a given i would especially consider that because this is a a common card yeah so i was gonna say the rarity is important too much. for sure exactly so rarity obviously is going to be important to this card especially if you were going to try and give it any abilities i would assume that it also doesn't have the usual shape shifter ability because not only then would you have to shift it to an uncommon, and you could break the rarity cycle here and, and still give it a shapeshifter, the normal changeling ability. I mean, it's our first legendary, like, isn't it? Uh, it yeah. yeah. I, I believe so. Uh, and I feel like the reason that that was left off this card is because this card is specifically designed for the draft aspect, mm. um, and giving it the usual changeling ability would probably actually break this card with several other interactions with other cards that slip my mind, but I'm sure that they're absolutely there because the first time that I saw this, I was like, oh, that's not good. And then I read that it didn't have the changeling ability and I was like, oh, actually this seems fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, let's talk about the prismatic Piper for a second. This is a really interesting <laughs> one. And actually, you know, in a normal world, we would have never revealed this card early as one of the first cards folks saw, but because yeah. we wanted to explain the draft environment, it was really crucial that we showed this card off. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people out there are just kind of viewing it outside of context, which is reasonable because that's how magic cards are viewed. You see them sitting around and you look at mm-hmm. them. But I really encourage you to go and read my article or go back and watch the panel talking about this card and what its purpose is. So here's the deal with the Prismatic Piper. So the way that Commander Legends works is when you go to build your deck and play, it plays like a game of Commander. And you have to maintain your color identity when you're playing. Mm. Um, that's how that's how deck building works. So... Um, Whenever we would sit down and explain the draft to people, the first question somebody would ask every single time, and the hands would just raise all over the place, was, what if I don't draft a commander to play with? Now, in reality, this almost never happens. 
like the the time that this occurs is extremely extremely small. There are so many legends floating around, you know, two per pack that you will find stuff in your colors. You will have a commander to play with. It happens very 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 seldom. But that concern that people have at some point doesn't matter how much it actually happens. Just the concern that people have when they're drafting and being terrified about missing a commander and not having getting able to play or something like that. It's a tough feeling. And so the Prismatic Piper was was created basically exclusively as a card to solve this issue. And it is mm-hmm. not a card I expect, I expect to really see in any play. I would not expect to see it show up a lot in your store, even during Commander Legends drafts. But it's basically a basic legend that you always have access to. And, and really, I want to stress that, that this is basically the equivalent of a basic land. You don't have, you don't have to draft it. If it's around, you just get to play it. Um, or sorry, if you need it, you just get to play it, right? So like, say that you are drafting and you somehow fail to draft a red partner for your blue-red deck, then you have a blue partner already, you can play the Prismatic Piper. Or if for whatever reason you draft no legends at all, if, if you're just trying to shoot the moon or something like that, you can play two of these as your commander. And the reason why it's a five-mana 3-3 three, three is specifically because we wanted to pick a rate that was like, yeah, you would never actually want to do this. It's not, if you are forced to play with it, it's not like a 10-mana 1-1. One, one. It's not like horrific, you know? But you're not really ever going to want to cast this card. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's really, really, really just there for the draft environment. And frankly, in your lifetime playing Commander Legends, there's a reasonable chance you will never have to play with or see this card. It mm-hmm. mostly comes up if you're playing a um, four-player draft or if you're doing sealed deck is the times where it might be most likely to come up. But even then, normally in sealed, you're looking at your Legends and picking what you're playing based on that. So it doesn't even come up that, that much there. Um, as far as the lack of a changeling ability, I mean, I'll, I'll note that there are tons of shapeshifters in Magic that do not have changeling. So there's mm. nothing to do with that at all. Changeling was never even a consideration for this card. Yeah, fair cool. enough. Um, uh, Gavin, that, t- uh, that actually touches on something uh, as, as far as, yeah, the macro kind of design space there. But um, a bit of background, I uh, I think it was this uh, last year, my, my project was I put most of my commander collection into a cube for the same reasons you talked about that I got to the point where I, I was playing a lot of commander, but there was always, I had an issue with a social contract and, 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 and understanding in that level that, you know, uh, people walking to different commander tables and not really knowing how to express their power levels, that kind of thing. And then of course my, my love for draft, um, I was like, why I've heard of some people making commander cubes that, that sounds pretty wild. Uh, and I kind of embarked on this mission that spanned almost a year to start to just morph my collection into a commander cube. And what came out of it, out of it was, a reinvigoration for my love of commander because I, I, I noticed so many other things, but essentially I, I, I made a thousand card cube, which to many people sounds wild and way too huge. Um, but the idea that we started to look at draft mechanics and how they worked and how essentially what you're saying, like you, you never want to draft a, uh, you know, in, in commander legends or norm my cube uh, and, and feel you never want that, that, that place to be where you have an unplayable deck because that is the absolute, that's just not a, it's not an option. Like, and, and so an option, a, a kind of solution we kind of came up with with my commander cube was uh, we essentially gave every two color legend partner, um, which to this day has only yet yielded a, a couple of, uh, you know, wild results in, in, I wouldn't say broken, but some good like Merin, Lazav kind of combos, things like that, that are very, very powerful came out of that. Um, but essentially we, we, we made the rule so you could only ever make three colors out of that um, and then completely saturated the cube full of legends. So the whole whole idea was I'd heard about people running cubes uh, and I, I imagine, I wonder if this came into Commander Legends as an op, like, 
as an option at any point, but you know, people running commander cubes would do, Oh, here's your legend pack at the end. And I thought that was a little bit, not, not, not as integrated. You know what I mean? Um, I'd rather you picking your legends on the fly and that kind of thing. You have enough that you never miss out essentially. So, um, I was really excited when, of course, Commander Legends got announced. It's like, wow, this is actually going to integrate into what I've been kind of working on as, as just a fun thing for home and lots of new cards. But, um, Partner's always really great to get a whole bunch of new things. But, yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about, was there any other, other options of how to select a commander or, or those kind of things um, that you, you kind of considered along the way? Yeah, we tried a lot, a lot of things. But... Um, you know, when it came comes to the booster pack, I think that's the most interesting one. Um, we, you know, early on in, in my prototyping, I did we did talk about the legend booster, right? You, you draft mm, a, exactly. a, a legend a legend pack, as you mentioned. But quickly, what I discovered was that I, there was a way better solution, which was instead of drafting a separate legend booster, which gets messy, right? I mean, especially it does get it's messy. One, yeah. It's one thing when you're making a cube, but when you're trying to like create a booster product, how are you going to sell that? Right? Are you going to sell like small legends packs? Like, how's that going to work? Instead, I was like, wait a second. You run out or something, exactly. Instead, I was like, okay, I've got this brilliant idea. What if we do a a large booster pack, a 20-card booster, and then the first four or five cards of your booster pack are the legends, and then Mm. behind them is is an ad card separating the rest of the pack. And the instructions are, the first thing you do each pack is you grab it, you look at your four legends, you draft your four legends, and then you pick up the rest of your pack and you draft it. So basically every pack had had a, had a, a legend drafting round, if that makes sense. So that was one of the first things I tried was this kind of legend drafting round. Um, and then, you know, I was just like, well, okay, well, this seems to work fine, but I'm not sure that we need to do a, a separate legend drafting round as opposed to just having the legends in the product. And I switched over to putting the legends actually in the packs themselves, two per pack, and I think it worked out great. I think we maybe tried different numbers. Maybe we tried three per pack at some point or another. But, yeah, I mean, uh, two per pack was kind of the sweet spot, and... Although the well, the boosters evolved a lot, um, you know, one thing we tried for a long time too was the merits of four fifteen card boosters versus three twenty card boosters. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff we tried there. Um, ultimately, the, the the differences were pretty minor, and we settled on where we got to, and I, it works really great. Like I I think when you all play Commander Legends later this year, you'll be surprised how natural it feels. And I know everyone's going to going to mm. be worried because they were always worried in playtests. Are you going to find a legend? And yeah, yeah, you're going to find a legend. It's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. We didn't need any weird extra rules except for the Prismatic Piper, which is kind of our new card catch-all just in case something goes wrong. But um, it pretty seldom happens that that comes up. Yeah, fear of being stranded, essentially. Yeah, it's funny. The uh, the, the, the pack size is something we considered for um, the cube, too. That was, And I think because mine is saturated by some of the most powerful commanders over the years, you know, essentially that the goal was for the cube to play you just want to capture the spirit of great commander. And it is, like you say, it's it's social, not jank. Uh, it can be jank, that's fine. But, you know, you want, it's this, the goal is still to win the game, but have a great time doing it essentially. But the nature of that was, I've just got so many cards from over the years that it was it was just intense. And a friend of mine who, who's, who'd made a few cubes, he said, one of the best things to do is like, uh, think about how much information people have to process each time they open a pack. And for mine, it was like, we had to, we started with 20 card packs and we had to cut it right down. And I think uh, we'll see how it goes, of course, but Commander Legends, I imagine it's the type of thing, you know, you're, you're dealing with commons and uncommons, whereas most of the slots of, of the cube was taken up by uh, by rares and, and miners. Like, well, this is probably just a lot to for anyone to process at 20 cards. And so we kind of slimmed it down to 15 
that kind of thing. But um, yeah, pack size is very, very interesting. So, well, um, well and, and also keep in mind that the other big twist of Commander Legends is with every pick you're drafting two cards. And so that yeah, makes that makes exactly. the draft go a lot faster because you're just taking two cards at a time. And it also makes you reading the pack more meaningful because if you're going to invest the time to read your whole 20-card booster pack, mm. you're at least getting two picks out of it. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think that's very, very elegant. So um, uh, Chesh and Gavin, I, I have to uh, I have to completely shout out, though, the Prismatic Piper, the discussion all around that, of course, the amazing masterstroke to to give that, you know, I think, it, of course, it has to exist in the format and um, and it's, it's, you know, it's the safety valve, I saw someone call it, which makes a lot of sense, but... I think I love the fact that it's probably got, I mean, we'll see the rest of the art in the set, but it's it's already got an absolutely knockout of the park piece of art by Seb McKinnon. And and I think, I feel like that card would be a little bit different if it, it had you know, very kind of generic art, that kind of thing. So I think it's a pretty special card because of what the precedent it sets. And then, you know, of course, the, the art kind of backs that up, of course. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I when, you're, when you're looking to, when you're looking to do a weird character that no one knows what it's going to look like and it's a set he'll do he'll do a great job yeah exactly exactly <laughs> uh gavin what i wanted to touch on now as far as um uh kind of bigger topic i guess but uh you know 2020 i don't want to go on too much about what's happened everyone knows what's happened um but more than ever i think it's made us all look at what the gathering kind of means to us and it's it's we've seen a lot of things change we've adapted in a lot of ways we, we kind of live our lives and have said it before Chesh and I don't live too far away from each other, but we can't be in the same room and, you know, we wish we really could. But we've seen a lot of things change. Uh, I talked to JR from Spell Table a few, um, uh, what was it, a few episodes ago and and just had a great Mm -hmm. chat about what it means to connect with people online now uh, and how Spell Table kind of revolutionised that. But, uh, Gavin, how do you feel about, you know, first of all, the state of Commander in 2020? Um, Because I see many positives in in a way. Like, you know, it's a very hard year, but I've seen... I've seen us adapt in a way that would never have happened without a bit of a crisis, you know, and then and, and kind of I've, I've found it's not just my local store that I'm, I'm kind of in contact with. I'm a, we're talking about playing command with people across the world and, and you know, that's a really interesting future and uh, how do you see the state of commander this year, you know, and, and any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it's definitely, you know, for a year that we were priming to come into as the year of commander, definitely like many things in 2020, it's seen its fair share of challenges. Um especially because Commander is the format that is the hardest to replicate um, in our online programs, right? You can't play it on Arena. The Magic Online interface isn't, isn't quite, quite there for Commander. I mean, you, you can do it, but it, it doesn't quite get the feeling of playing with your friends around a table. Exactly. Um, although I will say, by the way, as a little plug, Commander Legends is coming to Magic Online, which is huge. You'll be able to mm-hmm. draft it by multiplayer Commander Legends, which is awesome. Um, anyway, uh, with that said... I think it has done a great job of showing the, me just how much the community loves this game and how much they're willing to innovate to make things happen within this game. The fact that Spell Table exists now and it's a place yeah. where you can go play against people around the world is fantastic. But, you know, we've run two Command Fest onlines now over Spell Table in partnership with Channel Fireball. And those events have gone really well and there's been a lot of great games of Magic played. So, I mean, I'm so happy that, that all that is happening. And the other thing, too, is... I think one thing that isn't talked about enough because it's just so intrinsic in the fact that you're a Magic player and that you're a Commander player is the deck building. And while we all love playing our decks, of course, playing decks is great. Building them and talking about them with other people is something we we can still do. And I've seen so many great conversations online about 
what should go into decks and group deck building projects and all that kind of stuff, that it's very, very invigorating and, and refreshing. So, um, you know, while, of course, this year is not as I would have drawn it up perfectly um, by, by a long shot, I think the community is doing a great job of adjusting to it. And mm. all of our Commander releases are still going to be awesome. And, for example, with Commander Legends, even if meeting up in person to draft it isn't possible, I hope people will play sealed deck against each other on a program like Spell Table. It's a really cool opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I, I just didn't even ask about that, and I um, uh, or, or even really consider it. But yeah, I was, I was hoping sealed would um, would totally be a viable option for um, you know your, your, your physical packs of Commander Master oh, yeah, Legends. Sorry, um, no, that's that's very exciting for sure. Um, also, Chesh, I, I know you had a couple other notes before we jump into um, our quick fires, but. Um, You've also uh, you've been keeping busy, Gavin, with um, uh, your your show, Good Morning Magic, uh, and first of all, it kind of has a nice little uh, morning kind of through line and, and and crossover with our own show, you know, the whole breakfast theme essentially. But um, talk a little bit about what your your show's meant to you um, in the the kind of the past few months. Well, you know, I am the kind of person who looks at adversity and tries to find what they can do that's that's different. In it. Like, how can you make something out of a, a tough situation? Mm. Uh, restriction breeds creativity, as exactly, was. exactly. And so, you know, it was back in March, and I was at home, and I had this idea to do some teasers for Aquaria Commander. You know, just uh, some fun, fun little teasers for the upcoming Commander deck. Some hints about cards you might see. And I thought, you know what? Instead of posting just posting this as a tweet, what if I did a video for it? I'll just give it a try. Let's see what happens. And so I posted it up on Twitter just as a quick little video, two minutes or something like that. And people loved it. And before I knew it, I started doing that a few more times. And it went over really, really well. And I kind of had this momentum. And I thought, wow, this is really huge. We could be doing something with this. And so the short version is I worked um, internally to talk with folks. I was like, hey, I want to do this. Can I do this? And after a number of sign-offs and you know various process things, I eventually got my own YouTube channel set up. Um, and, you know, I was able to show after doing it on Twitter for a few weeks. I think I did for nearly a month, three or four weeks at least on Twitter before I could get um, my own YouTube channel set up um, to show that there was interest on it and people were excited about it. And that all went really well. And then we made the jump to YouTube and it's going great so far. You know, I, I post episodes up three days a week. It's Good Morning Magic. Go look it up. Go subscribe. And it's about anything and everything. And the great thing is, you know, working at Wizards and being who I am, I a, know a lot of history around magic. I know mm. about a lot of the inside information stuff that, um, you know, about upcoming sets and um, past sets and stuff that we worked on that you can't really, really get anywhere else. And I also have access to a lot of guests who work at Wizards that are their subject matter experts. So it's been a lot of fun getting to do that. And I think people internally are really seeing that too. You know, just um, just earlier this week, I did an episode with uh, Allison Steele about Supreme Draft, a brand new draft format hitting mm. online. And that was really, really cool. We got, we got to do the first ever public scene uh, Supreme Draft in my video, which was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, I've got a number of preview cards at this point. I have some cool stuff coming up for the future. Um, so I, I'm really excited uh, about where this is going. And for me, it's, just, it's, a, it's a fun new foray and it's a thing to try out and see where it goes. And honestly, you know, I don't know if it will last forever. We'll see how it continues to go and grow. Uh, part of me would like for it to. Part of me that um, sees how much time of my life it's taking up would not. <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's serving a really important role, role in the community. And the number of people who have messaged me and been like, hey, during quarantine, this, is, this has been so important for getting me through everything. Um, it really means a lot. So, yeah, I'm glad about my show. I think I have, you know, over 5,000 followers now um, or I, I, 
probably by the time the show comes out, I think it may be 20 short right now, 5,000. But by the time the show comes out, hopefully I've crossed that barrier. And um, yeah, it's growing really well. A lot of the episodes are making the top of Reddit. And it's just, it's been a lot of fun to work on. So that's my project. Also, I cannot overstate to anyone out there being like, oh, I should do this too. Uh, it is so much work. Oh, yeah. You would never imagine how much work <laughs> it is to make it. I have slept, I have s- slept so little working on this show. You have no idea. Uh, I, I regularly will spend, you know, eight to 10 hours an episode. And this is outside of my normal working hours. So it'll be like finish work, maybe eat dinner, maybe go for a run, start working on the episode at like 7, 8 p.m., work until four in the morning or something like that, and then, you know, get ready to publish the next morning. So uh, it has been, it's a rough schedule, admittedly, and I'm getting faster and faster at this because I'm learning everything from scratch. I have no video experience. Um, but definitely it is, it is a lot, a lot to do. So video, great, highly recommend it. Also know what you're getting into is my recommendation. <laughs> exactly. That's, it's one of the things that I always say is like when it comes to like content creation, it, it looks so easy until you do it. Like um, I think that especially depending on the payoff as well for, for those of us who, who aren't Gavin, <laughs> when it, it's like a fully professional you know, edited video that I can do that'll let me like, you know, a couple hundred views versus a phone shot. Like here's my physical deck that I built. That's, you know, a CDH deck and Mm. it gets, you know, like 1.5 K views. And I'm like, I guess I'll just do it the easy way because it's faster, even though it feels bad, Mm. but it gets more views. What's going on here? But um, you're right. Like you're going to spend so much more time editing learning editing learning graphic design because you've got to be your own marketer your graphic designer your editor you've got to like try and meld the video together so that it's it's almost seamless when you cut or at least next to seamless which by the way gavin you have some really great cuts in your videos that you can you can almost you know not notice where the cut is except you see your arms all of a sudden down from oh yeah up, i was gonna say that too that can't notice it at all <laughs> you know it's it's that but yeah you know what you're getting into because yeah. content creation's great start small yeah and, and i mean <laughs> yeah, not, that, it, not that i can talk on a wealth of experience but i mean i was just going to touch on that it's it's also what it means to you you know like it's like numbers one thing you know, does it mean something personally or do you, do you need the, the kind of the people essentially? Like, I mean, I, I'm happy when someone, one person emails us and that's, that's made me happy for whatever. But um, yeah, now go for it, Gavin. No, it's just that, I mean, I love the magic community, right? And to me, this is a great way to give back to the community and to talk with them. And while we're all stuck at home right now, have this great discourse and be able to show, show cool stuff off. And it's, it's a ton of work. I, it is a, basically a second job I've taken on top of my job. You know, I, I'll get comments sometimes in my YouTube comments that are like, hey, you should tell your editor to do this thing. <laughs> in my head, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I am the editor. I will inform myself. They're like, you should yeah. get a better graphics package. And it's like, all right, well, I, uh, I'll teach myself Photoshop, I guess, which, which I have done a lot of so far. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. It, but it, it's, a really, um, it's a really rewarding thing. So it's a lot of work. It's very rewarding. Um, definitely know how much time you're getting into when you do it, but I hope you're all enjoying the episodes and it's been a lot of fun to, to work on. So yeah, good morning magic. Go check it out. <laughs> definitely. And I, also, I think I, I, I'll go for it. I do, I do have a quick follow up, um, which is when are we going to see what's in your closet? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I did one fun episode, maybe one and a half ago now we'll say 
called mm-hmm. um, where I showed off five weird things I found in my closet, right? There was all kinds of <laughs> weird old magic memorabilia. I don't know if you watched that episode or not, but there was some pretty cool and unique stuff in there that a lot of folks had never heard of in their life, um, which was very cool. In terms of like literally seeing the inside of my closet, what it looks like, I did, I, <laughs> I, did, I did actually think about an episode, um, but I'm kind of worried it would be too painful to people. Um, and I know it sounds like that's just a, a joke I'm saying. I'm actually serious. My collection is not organized. It mm. is a mess. There you'll find just unsleeved force of wills and dual lands rolling around in there. And I just am afraid someone's going to watch that and never forgive me. So, um, like, I, I have, I have a, a closet full of magic cards and, like, three boxes that I call, like, the good boxes, which is just, like, you know, my, my top-level cards. And you'll go in and thumb through there and it'll just be, like, dual lands and mox diamonds and... You know, stuff like that. I, I was literally, I was cleaning the other day. I was cleaning uh, a box that I cleaned out the, uh, the other day. And I just like was flipping through it. I just found a stack of Tarmogoyfs. And I was like, oh, oh, that's where these went. You know, I just, I just put them back <laughs> in, my, in my good box. But it, it's really not sorted. And the thing about working at Wizards is it wasn't sorted when I got to Wizards. And I don't have a lot of impetus to do it now because I can't play in tournaments. So, I mean, I, I don't, I very seldom actually need to find cards. I mostly have all the cards out that I want to play with. So, um, yeah, maybe, maybe someday I'll give people a tour there, but I'm just worried about everyone else's health mostly. Uh, I, I'm, you know, people, people, um, <laughs> people have very strong reactions to seeing these things. I remember there was an article I wrote where I showed off a playtest card. It was just like, whatever, I'm going to show off a playtest card, how it looks cool. But the playtest card was, we used stickers, right? We stickered the playtest card, or at least we did. We stickered playtest cards on top of other actual magic cards. And the card it was stickered over was, um, Sengir Markov, or sorry, not Sengir, uh, uh, Soren Markov. Mm-hmm. Um, and people flipped out. And even though Sengir, sorry, not Sengir, I promise you Sengir Markov is not an actual magic card. I've just <laughs> I want talking, Markov now. <laughs> I've just been talking <laughs> so much recently about Baron Sengir that that's yeah. the word in my head. Um, Soren Markov is not like a particularly sought after magic card or anything, but the idea that I would potentially sticker over a mythic rare planeswalker, make it unusable, I got so much mail about that. Like, so, so, so much mail. Mm-hmm. That I think if people saw my collection, um, I, I just don't want to be responsible for a heart attack. That's yeah, all. It's, it's it's tarnishing what, what the game needs in, like, in a, uh, a value sense. And uh, I was, I, that just reminded me of, um, I remember ages ago, I think it was in the command zone, but Jesper Icing was on, and uh, and he was saying that he got a lot of strong reactions when he showed his commander deck, which was artist-proof, things like that. He was an artist. Uh, and it's just unsleeved and you know put together with an elastic band and people lost it and it's like no it's fine it's like you know your cardboard is what it means to you essentially that's that's really funny i mean one of my things that i typically do is i play my limited events unsleeved uh you know it's funny (laughs) when i started playing magic i went to go sleeve my draft decks and everyone at the store made fun of me like no one sleeves your draft decks don't do that that's dumb Mm. And so I just like got in the habit of, okay, I'm going to learn how to shuffle a draft deck without sleeves and, and whatever. And now to this day, I still do it. And now everyone makes fun of me. They're like, Gavin, you're not playing with sleeves? Like, are you nuts? How do you shuffle? And yeah, it's, yeah. It's, just, it's, it's just really funny uh, to the point where I'm doing this thing right now that's super fun. I cannot recommend it enough. We're only one weekend, but it's a blast. I'm doing it with Sheldon and a bunch of other great folks called the, the Boxing League. Oh, and the yeah, way this, yeah. Yeah, and the way this works is basically we all picked a booster box of a set that was standard legal at one point. So you could pick Mercadian Masks, you could pick uh, Onslaught, you could pick um, Ravnica, you could pick Corsa 2021, whatever you want to do. Um, But you have to actually, of course, have the box. And then um, you can't pick any ancillary sets, so no Battle Bond, no Masters, nothing like that. 
And every week, and then you, you open up the box and you build a commander deck out of it. Um, normal commander deck building rules, you just only have the box to build, to build from. And then every week we add six packs in of the set of your choice. And you, you just can't use the same set twice. And uh, we're only in the first week, and it's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, but we played on stream uh, Benjamin Wheeler. Uh, I played a game with Benjamin Wheeler on stream earlier this week. Um, and it's all with paper cards. Right? We're doing this over spell table. And I was just playing with my unsubbed 100 card commander deck that I built out of this booster box. Uh, I didn't think much of it. And not only was the chat aghast about how could I do this, but they were like, how does he shuffle? I don't understand. How could he possibly shuffle that? To which I just promptly grabbed my deck and riffle shuffle my 100 card deck, no problem. And, um, and it's that kind of thing that I don't even think about because I've done it for so long. But some people out there are just like, this is a miraculous human feat. And I'm like, nah, it's just like, it's just like a, a Tuesday for me. So, um, <laughs> right. So, um, I'll, I'll see my deck for next week though. I think I don't want to make people more angry. Um, but anyway, I, I'm trying to, I try to be very wary of things like that just because I also, you know, as I'm in a very unique position where I'm not just like, like this guy who's been playing magic for nearly 20 years now, which is wild to say out loud, but I'm also a steward of the game. I'm a face of the game. And one thing I'm always very careful about is what actions am I making and, and what, uh, how are they going to make others feel? And mm-hmm. while, you know, we're joking about this, and I'm kind of telling some funny stories about me playing unsleeved decks or whatever. What I never want anyone to feel like is, oh, that's Gavin. He's the hoity-toity wizards guy. He cares so little about his cards that he just plays them unsleeved and, and you know, ruins yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that's, that's the impression I never want to give off. And while it's really fun to be like, oh, look at me. I'm an old school player. I'm playing without, without sleeves. I definitely don't want to ever give off the impression of I am above this. Um, because I'm not. I just do it because, like, it's this kind of funny thing to me. And if, you know, if I open up like a foil mythic rare, then, I'll, then I will sleep my deck mm. probably. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's a careful line to walk. And I think a lot about how perceptions of what the actions I take will, will, um, will ramic- have ramifications. Mm, that's true. And I mean, we're still celebrating at the time. You know, we, we are all in love with these pieces of cardboard, you know, when, when it comes down to it. And they mean an incredible amount to us. And, and that's that's kind of celebrating that for sure. Um, that's a nice little side avenue to talk about anyway, the EDH Boxing League. But uh, that just uh, brought up about, um, I remember my favorite one there was uh, BDM's deck. Uh, and, and he was asking about what, what, uh, what kind of booster box to crack. And I think Jason Alt said it and I agreed. I was like, this is the sleeper pick M20, like the core set. And it's actually got some amazing legends in there. And I was like, come on, BDM, get a, get a Yarok. That's what I'd be gunning for. And I think you can build so much with that. And, and sure enough, he did. And, and that's what the deck is built around. And then would you believe the, the first uh, packs open? There's a Scarab God in the Hour of Devastation <laughs> off to the races. So what we're um, – uh, I, I, I didn't even see. What, what uh, booster box did you decide to crack, Gavin? Yeah, so I, you know, I had a lot of different options for boxes I could choose from. And ultimately I settled to use Corset 2021. Nice. And that's a really unusual pick um, because it's actually not a very legend heavy set or at least not um, it, not for multiple color legends, right? There's a lot of mm. monocolor legends, but trying to build a monocolor deck out of a booster box is going to be real challenging for a commander. Um, but I, I, and for, unfortunately, I opened up Rada, so I had a two-color legend I could pick. Oh, nice, it. nice. But part of the reason I did it is because one thing that I never want to get disassociated from is what it's like for a new player coming into the game. You know, working at Wizards and playing Magic for so long, I think there's it's definitely very easy to get disassociated from how hard it can be to build a new deck sometimes and, and how you mm. work with the tools that you have. And so for me, I, I chose Corset 2021 to start with because I thought it would be a great experience of, hey, I'm new to Magic, I bought a box, I want to play Commander, 
how does that feel to me? And it's, uh, as opposed to picking a set that I knew was going to be a slam dunk, I was like, okay, I'll just pick the newest thing. And that's how I kind of chose it. If I was actually, you know, trying to pick the best thing I possibly could, I probably would have cracked like a box of Dominaria or something. Mm. Um, or, or yeah, uh, I think both M19 and M20 are, are solid picks too. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, overall, my, my, I don't think my deck is, is very good, uh, <laughs> but I was able, able to build a fine deck. We played an amazing game on stream this week. I encourage anyone to go back and watch it. It'll be next, it'll be uh, last week by the time this episode comes out. But it was a fantastic game. You know, uh, the game, we, everyone died within a turn of each other, right? One person died and the domino effect started. Uh, I had lethal damage on the stack with a burn spell and was killed in response, which was totally Ooh. wild. Um, so it was a, it was a phenomenal game. And I encourage everyone out there listening, you know, I, I think sometimes folks hear about things and it's like, oh, wow, it's so cool that Gavin and Sheldon and BDM and all the folks are doing this. I wish I could do it too. You, you don't need, need to wish. Get your mm. friends together. Do it yourself. Like, there's a lot of fun to be had, and Spell Table is a great environment for it. So I encourage everyone else out there to give it a try. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, no, I, th- I think that's that's uh, amazing on, on a lot of the things I want to talk about magic-wise. And, I mean, we will still continue to talk magic, but uh, we've, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, go to what has become our favorite thing to do with our, our guests uh, in the Commander community. Um Find out what kind of people they are. You know, it's you know we hear a lot about you, Gavin, but uh, I'm sure I've got a couple of questions that you know hopefully might even shed some more light. So um, uh, I call these quick fires. They're never quick fires. They're just kind of conversation <laughs> topics. <laughs> so I'm going to stop calling them that. But um, first of all, Gavin, pineapple and pizza. What's your stance? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't hate it. I don't have a hard line like a lot of people do. Um, the thing about me is. I'm going to take a more controversial stance because the pineapple pizza thing is like, that's like level zero. That's like, yeah, whatever. Everyone talks about that. I'm mm. going to say that I'm actually not a big pizza person, um, which, yep. which is pretty wild because pizza is like a universal food. Mm. Um, I really like like a nice – I mean if you go to New York City, there's this big debate, right? Are you a toppings guy or are you like a purist? Do you just want like the margarita or like a cheese pizza, right, mm. or pepperoni, something really, really light? Or do you want like a bunch of fancy toppings? And to me, I'll eat, I'll eat a pizza um, if it's giving me something really unique and different, right? So I, I am a toppings guy, and I like trying out a bunch of really unique toppings. And actually, you know, I say all this, and in fact, last night I went to a gourmet pizza place and had like this amazing pizza that had burrata cheese and soprasada, uh, like hot, hot soprasada, mm. and a little bit of honey drizzle on the top that was phenomenal. Oh, honey so works. Good. Totally, totally. Yeah, it was, it was so good. But when it comes to just like a normal pizza, I'm usually not that interested. So pie, anyway, pineapple on pizza – I'll totally try it if it's on some kind of interesting gourmet, like, take on pizza. Um, but, like, if it's just on a normal, like, Canadian bacon and pineapple pizza, my question would be, why am I eating pizza? Oh, I want that Canadian bacon. I want that maple now, actually. Like, yeah, I need to mention it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I remember a pizza that had mango and sultanas on it. But, I mean, there's, there's plenty of places in Melbourne here that, you know, do some pretty wild stuff pizza-wise. But Wait, wait. Wait, what? mango and sultanas. I can't and remember. If, I'm the weird one because I, of noodles and cheese. I can't remember if they were on the same pizza, but uh, the mango. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, the, the Chesh talked to us uh, talked to us about a ramen pizza last week. And we all lost our minds. So that was mm-hmm. that was a good time. Uh, now, I this mean, one, in, gen- in general, yeah, I'm a really big food guy. I'm a really big food guy. So I love trying new and different things out. And mm. so, like general, I, when it comes to food, I'm kind of like the Borg. I'm like, once I have tried it, I have tasted it. And like every other time I eat it, I just have diminishing returns, which is why, for example, I know a lot of people who love going to the same restaurant over and over. That's not me. I love every time I can, I try and order from a new restaurant. There are maybe a couple places that are like have really top notch ingredients that I will, will go back to. 
But even when I do, I always try to order a different thing because I just want a different experience and I want to see more of the range of, of what a place has. Um, so pizza to me, the problem with it is, you know, especially in, in the States, so much pizza is like it's at the same tier and tastes really similar, especially in Washington. And it, of course, if you're in New York City, it's a different deal. Like there are places in this country where the pizza is excellent. In Seattle, a lot of the pizza is very, very samey and it's like, yeah, whatever, I've had this before. And it's not like inspiring for me to actually go and try. The pizza, the pizza I had last night, though, legitimately uh, was pretty good. So I'm totally down for trying it, but I just don't need like random, you know, cheese pizza or something like that. Okay, I wanted to make, make my point on this very clear so everyone can argue about it with me online. Next question. Definitely. Uh, yeah, next one. Uh, Chess just made a, uh, a kind of <laughs> an amend to this one, but uh, we usually have pet card, kind of like the, the I like to say the card that may not even be very good, but you kind of always has a place in your heart, maybe in your decks, that kind of thing. But Chess just added that you didn't design. Do you have a pet card that you didn't design, Gavin? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, my um, a card that I have, I mean, my favorite card in Magic is Future Sight. I love this card. Mm. It's a blast to play. I take it too highly in cube draft. <laughs> um, I, I ran pre Los Angeles 20, what year was that? 2018 maybe. I played it in my deck, in my fairies deck, and I qualified for the Pro Tour. I was probably one of fewer than five people in the whole tournament that registered Future Sight in their constructed extended deck, you know? Um, so I love stuff like that. So yeah, that's, that, that's a card that, that, that I adore. I'll say another card that always comes to mind is Rise Fall. This is a card that gets so little respect and can be so powerful. Like Rise is balance your opponent's creature, raise dead your own creature, which is phenomenal. Fall, if it hits right, is him to Turok. So, I mean, it's a card that I've always tried to jam into decks and I have a lot of fond memories of like trying to blood braid elf into rise fall and, and, and things like that. Um, oh, that's, and that, the, I mean, being a split card, all the, uh, all, all the, the wacky things that come from that. Ah, cool. Dissension card. Yeah, exactly. Previously gems. I'm just noting these down to add the decks. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, 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 it was in my, it, it, differently now. Rise fall is a card that was in my cube for a very long time and no one else ever took. And I would always take it and I would always win with it. And I was just like, why does no one ever take this card? But then no one no one took it. So it's like, I don't, it's, 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 it's a weird one. Yeah. And I think it's like the type of thing people are like, oh, I've got to read it sideways. That's fine. It's just, you know, let's go to the next card kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Chess, you want to reel off the next one? Sure. Uh, who would you like to most have dinner with, dead or alive? Or even fictional. I think that's what we got to last week. You know, yeah, could no, even be a magic. Same thing is, it's fine. Yeah, well, you know what? You know, I love these kind of questions. I feel like, I feel like I would not be a good gamer. I would not be doing my due diligence as a gamer if I did not choose somebody that gave me a gigantic advantage in some way. <laughs> um, so, if I get to choose a fictional character, I would choose a character who can like grant me some kind of special power or ability yeah, during yeah. dinner. That that sounds very useful to me. It's like. Um, I don't know. Imagine, I, am I, good, I don't know if I could be good, good friends with this character or not, but you know, imagine it's like I could have dinner with Dr. Manhattan, but he's nice or something like that. And uh, he, <laughs> he, he grant me some, some great power. Dr. Manhattan, probably exactly the wrong example, but you know, like pick someone who has the ability to, to, to grant you powers or, you know, if you're not doing fictional characters, tell you a secret, right? I'm sure there yeah, are yeah. Um, just, if you back and look at historical figures, there are all kinds of um, pieces of information folks would want to know about that you could find out and sell. Um, so uh, that would be that would be where I would go to first. I mean, you know, and then the the last and final answer is um, 
it would be very tempting to pick a family member of mine that was, you know, from many generations before me, like Ooh, yeah, yeah, six definitely. generations before. My mom is a genealogist and she's traced us all the way back to the 14th century. Oh, um, so I know a lot about my family line. I can tell you that my, I think it's seven times great, but I can never remember how many greats it is. Uh, great, 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 great grandfather or something like that was George Washington's bodyguard. So I've got like a bunch of fun family tree facts. I don't know. It'd be, be fun hey, to talk to someone amazing. like that probably. Um, but I think on, on the whole, like I said, I got to stick to my gamer roots and pick someone, something that will give me a permanent life advantage. <laughs> I love that answer so much. I mean, it's funny. We, we talked about genealogy, strangely enough, last week. And, uh, you know, the whole Australian thing is, you know, we went into. But we've got a lot of comic I mean, history, that kind of thing. But, yeah, 14th century is amazing. That's, that's I mean, may, maybe you pick the genie from Aladdin and mm. just snap off three wishes. Like, three wishes have got to be pretty good, right? Especially because in that universe, I think you can wish for more wishes or at least wish for more genies. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Pretty good exactly. To, to like go infinite, basically. Do, do doesn't uh, doesn't Robin Williams' uh, genie kind of um, very eloquently um, kind of disparage that kind of use of the the rules? Though I remember, like, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen Aladdin, but uh, I mean, that, that's another thing itself. Would you go Will Smith or uh, or Robin Williams getting very meta? Oh, I'm going. I mean, come on, I'm shooting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, have, I have nothing against Will Smith. Don't get me wrong. No, exactly. Robin Williams is the original, and in fact, I would have dinner with Robin Williams. That's also just a fine yeah, choice. Yes, uh, absolutely. I, I actually, yeah. uh, I have met Robin Williams. I, I feel no very way. fortunate to have that happen. So, um, I don't know how many people know this, but Robin Williams was a gamer. And uh, when I was, I, I think know, I did hear this. Yeah. When I was maybe thirteen, it's called Zelda. I was maybe oh, thirteen years. I was maybe like thirteen or fourteen years old or something like that, and I was at a game store in the Seattle area, and I was playing in a Magic pre-release, or uh, yeah, I think it was a pre-release. And Robin Williams just came in, no, and he no. wasn't there for Magic. He, he to play Magic. He was there um, to buy some minis for some miniature game he was playing. But of course, Robin Williams comes into your game store, and mm. you, you know you're gonna go and say hi. So. Uh, I was 14. I went over. He was very, very nice. And he talked to me for a few minutes. Uh, I just remember how earnest and incredible he was. So, you know, yeah. rest in peace, Robin. Williams. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, bigger, bigger message there. I mean, we start to, you know, uh, talk about mental health a lot in, on um, on the podcast because I think I've found uh, getting very big and lofty here, but we kind of addressed it a little bit at the start of the episode. But magic is, you know, especially Commander, like it's the, it's the conduit, you know, and everything else that forms around it. But like mental health is related everything. And, and I just, you know, want to make this a, as positive a space as ever can. But uh, yeah, it's, Robin Williams is always someone that I look at with a massive degree of sadness as far as how someone can seem so happy and, 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 and such an amazing, talented person. And it just breaks my heart that when someone has to go like that and almost like they, it's as if, they weren't told how, how good they were, but, or like they weren't told what they needed, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard road to navigate, of course, but um, all I ever implore is just, you know, uh, speak to your friends. Little little fun fact about Robin Williams, though, uh, getting on the, on the, the miniatures thing. Mm. Um, so not only was he a massive, like, he loved miniatures. If you read a couple of his interviews where he talks about, like, dolls, and people just assumed that, he meant like dolls, mm. but he was actually talking about miniatures because he was that ingrained into the miniature subculture. Um, because as, as many people here may or may not know, um, at, at certain points in life, we've called miniatures dolls, yeah. like, you know, because it's, it's that rip, that favorite rip that everyone uses. Um, but Robin Williams in a number of occasions was talking about like, you know, how I had this like great collection of dolls 
and everyone just assumed that he meant dolls, but he actually was talking about his miniatures, and no one actually ever really asked him about it. Because <laughs> like a number of us knew that Robin Williams was like a massive nerd, a massive gamer, loved comics, he loved you know playing with miniatures and stuff. But I mean, it's it's that thing that's come out in the last couple of years where you know all these celebrities have like started popping up it's like oh they play magic or mm. they play Yu-Gi-Oh or they play Pokemon you know like all this stuff and it's like yeah because they're humans exactly. just like the rest of us like you know you could be like mega famous it doesn't mean that you're not going to be a nerd deep down yeah exactly I mean it's still any any sports star or anything like that or um, whatever that has a, a bit of a gaming background um, you know like a Gordon Haywood from the, the Boston Celtics like he's a Starcraft guy and you know or yeah you know of course we're seen plenty of players uh, oh sorry plenty of um amazing names playing magic uh but there's yeah, still JGL. it's still quite a quite a rare thing it's like that's the coolest thing ever you know for sure um speaking of video games actually uh do you have what's uh what's your hall of fame of video games uh gavin number one chrono trigger oh <laughs> full stop soundtrack everything like yeah done great game Thank you. number number two Super Mario RPG Legend of the Seven Stars. How good was that game? People forget about that one. That's all. The list doesn't need any more. Those are my top two. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And and you, what you're what you're hinting on there too is also the what I consider the golden time of games. I mean, not only like RPGs, I guess, uh, but the SNES times. You know, that that was that was incredible. Did you ever um uh, did you ever get into Earthbound? Yeah, yeah, I played. I mean, Earth, Earthbound's great. No, no problem with that. I mean. I, I think like most people, when you ask someone about their favorite something, their answer mm. is going to be the thing I'm nostalgic about. Yeah, indeed. Um, and, exactly. and I, you know, I think, I personally think Chrono Trigger still holds up really, really great. I, I think, think so too. It's a phenomenal too. game. Um, but I just have a lot of nostalgia for that game and I really mm. enjoyed it. It was a great, a great entry point for me in. Um, and I think it's done a lot of just really great. Um, the fact that its legacy still holds up now, I think is really incredible. And, you know, if I was going on and really make a detailed list of, say, five games, I would probably pick things from across a bunch of genres, mm. things that really influenced gaming, you know, um, because there's a number of games that you could point at and be like, wow, this is um, an important game that got the world where it is today. But if I'm just going to yeah, pick yeah. my favorite game off the top of my head, I'm telling you Chrono Trigger. No, love it. Great, mm. great answer for sure. And and also, apologies if these come off as uh, very much speed dating questions, but it's pretty much the format we came up with. It's okay. I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll, but, I'm, uh, maybe, I'll give, maybe I'll give you my number afterward. Like, who's to say? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Make make it awkward. I discussed best video game ever with uh, with Gavin when he was here. Like, what? Uh, not last year, but the year before when we were. <laughs> yeah, that's why I knew what was coming. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and no, I, I love it. And it's 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 you know I get to I get to find out about all these you know the different facets and what generally comes out of this as we end up just talking like crazy afterwards anyway it's funny um but uh the next one of course i i love to dig into uh people's psyche with this one but um uh could you recommend a kind of transcended album um in your life again quite personal it doesn't have to be the best one but just just an album um or even an artist that that you kind of resonate with yeah you know i think an interesting thing for me about music i mean i i will get to listen to them in a second but i'm the first thing to give it some kind of preamble Hmm. which is i feel like music to me so much of music is about the emotion and the memory that is tied to a specific song for you personally i agree they're bookmarks right absolutely and you know you might look at a song and you take five different people and it doesn't matter if the song is happy sad whatever 
those five people might all have very different reactions to that song because one person was listening to it during a breakup. One person listened to it during a promotion. One person Mm -hmm. had a friend who told them they didn't like that song. Like there's so many different options that, you know, to me, music is such a personal thing that um, a lot of my favorite and most transcendent albums to me to this day are ones that I have a strong connection to um, in that fashion. So I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you three. Um, the first is Death Cab for Cutie's Plans Stop it, album. Ah, oh, Seattle man, have to. Yes. Oh, well, man, and, I'm you know, in love, man. This is, this is the best. And you, you know, I didn't even get into them because they were a Seattle band. I just, I, I was, the, I think it was the first album, one of the first albums I ever bought. Mm. Um, I think Evanescence was maybe the first album I bought. This maybe the second, <laughs> but um, it just, it's a phenomenal album. Like the songs on it are almost like poems um, with great beats. Um, you know, as one of my English teachers told me once. Uh, poets are just failed uh, musicians, and so you know, <laughs> these, these guys have it all. And um, there's, a, every, I think the great thing about that album to me is I've gone through it so many different times, mm. and I've liked different songs at different eras of my life, and different songs have had different meanings at different eras of my life. Of course, you know you've got the very catchy "Soul Meets Body" at the beginning um, as the big single that came out, but then you know as you go along, I really f- fell in love with songs like "What Sarah Said." Which is, oh, which is yeah. a very slow, very moving song about someone dying. And I, when I first listened to it, I was like, you know, 11 years old or something. And I was like, wow, oh, whatever, I don't get this. But now I listen to that song, and it is so incredibly moving. And actually, I know it sounds kind of sad, but I, I woke up to that song for at least over a year. That was like my alarm clock song mm. because I just loved it so much. It was a great reminder of, of the time that we have. Um, yes, exactly. So, so, so that is a song to me that is, is like poetry, or that's an album to me. Uh, you were speaking to my soul, Gavin, and it's it's that that album actually means an incredible amount to me. Sorry to steal a little bit of uh, no you know, why conversation, so but that I I listened to that album when I went, met my wife, and we were studying together, and and that changed the way I listened to music. About the same time, I was getting into a lot of the sub pop bands. Uh, that was you know that became our kind of music genre or like space we kind of explored together. So like, I mean, you get your modest mouse, you get. The Shins, uh, Band of Horses, that kind of thing. But Death Cab was always the one that just, there's something about it. And, and resonant. I mean, we've jumped at any opportunity to see Ben Gibbard and the, the amazing crew kind of, uh, you know, play in Melbourne. And, um, yeah, but that, that particular album is still the one I always go back to. And even a lot of, like, Death, Car- uh, Death Cab kind of, you know, um, what do you call it, like eternal fans or whatever, they might have their different, you know, the transatlanticisms, that kind of thing. But that's the point. It's about what it means to you. And then also the context that evolves around that. But what Sarah said is is probably the one piece of like, uh, you know, just lyrical masterstroke that I would recommend to anyone to have a listen to just as like I consider Ben Gibbard my favourite lyricist ever. Like the, the how eloquent that is and what Sarah said just does the – that's the one, and it has the basically just the the most amazing description of a waiting room, and it still blows my mind how how amazingly captured that is. So yeah, that's you know, hmm, tear in eye. But yeah, and I know you mean also there's a, there's a sense of comfort there in a weird way. And I mean, this is going very abstract, but people think I'm mad for finding comfort in something like Dark Souls as a video game, and it's like no, there's 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 comfort in sadness all the time, you know, and it just depends what it means to you. So what a great answer. That's incredible. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll leave it leave it at that. I mean, I feel like <laughs> we both goofed out about that a little bit. So if you if you're out there and you haven't listened to it, go ahead and, and give it a listen. Have you listened to um, the Postal Service as well? Then I presume. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and and, yeah. and great. You know, like uh, absolutely. So um, I was going to say, Death Cab's latest album um, is is one of the ones that really I felt like went back to their you know 
that kind of mid two thousand sound in a really lovely way. But um, always anything Death Cab make, I'll, I'll be absolutely listening to. So yeah, good stuff. The next one was uh, best magic art, like in your opinion. Again, like I think a big theme here is everything is subjective, and I'm really glad different things mean different things to um, you know everyone. So yeah, but your what 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 is your favorite personal magic art? Yeah, well, I think we can all agree the best piece of magic art is problematic volcano. <laughs> this, this, this is exactly. the Mr. Mr. Play test card I illustrated. Yeah. Um, I just don't know that it gets more high art than that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think that's an excellent choice. So, um, yeah, love it. Google it. I mean, how am I, 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 let me tell you, as someone who has no artistic ability whatsoever, like my, my, my hand-eye coordination is bad. I mean, a fun fact about me is um, I was in, um, I was in first grade and at the end of first grade, the teacher pulled my mom aside and she's like, your kid is super smart. He's brilliant. He's accelerated. He's like, like, knows his ABCs. He knows his numbers. He's like way smarter than every other kid. He's amazing. And my mom's like, uh, great. Yeah, sounds good. But then the teacher's like, oh, we're gonna have to hold him back a year. And she's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and she's like, oh, because the one thing that he's bad at is his handwriting is horrible and he, and he can't be like, can't do anything with drawing or writing very well. He, he, can see, he can say the letters, he knows all the stuff, but that's his weakness. Is that absurd? And so yeah, yeah. it was right. pretty wild. Um, I, like I couldn't draw cursive or whatever. And so uh, any, kind, any, any, any kind of art thing has always been really bad for me. And um, so to get to illustrate a magic card, I never dreamed in a million years <laughs> I would have the chance to literally <laughs> illustrate a magic card. Um, so it means a lot to me that I got the chance to do it. And uh, even as goofy as my two cards Experiment 5 and Problematic Volcano are. I'm very happy that I got to do it. I will probably never get to do it again. Um, but I, I'm really, really happy that I got to make a permanent impact uh, with a card that I literally drew in Magic. Oh, I, I was going to say, a card that you literally fell into. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the annotation there, the, uh, the ah, is, is the greatest thing ever. It's, it's, it's yeah. what makes it. Exactly. Uh, will you be selling that art print? I, ha- I have it. I have, I have. I have the original and all the sketches. I, I spent at least a couple hours working on it. So I think that. I mean, that would be a coveted item for for someone. But I know it's it's probably deeply personal, actually. So I, I, love I offered to Mike Linneman that if there's another magic art show at some point, I'll happily uh, go to the gallery. <laughs> I think it would do pretty well, actually. Um, oh, that's great. That's so good. Um, Chess, do you want to reel off the next one? Uh, sure. So do you have a favorite movie? Now I know that you're a massive movie buff, mm. um, especially if, if anyone stalks, uh, Gavin on social media, you will catch certain things from his apartment, uh, that is around his apartment and you'll notice that oh, yeah, certain, yeah, yeah. certain items that have been chosen that Gavin has selectively put in his apartment that are all to do with movies. It's like a hidden item so game. Do you have... Yeah, do you, do you have a favorite movie? Yeah, I mean, I mean, my home theater is actually, or my living room is actually my home theater, so like, I, I do mm-hmm. care a lot about it. Um, and uh, and I'm a huge movie guy, as you mentioned. Like, I, I've gone to Sundance I, I the past two years. I really care about I, that I stuff. Kind of feel like maybe it was the light trimming or something that I was caught up on that we might have had a discussion about months and months ago. I can't remember though. Yeah, it, it's hard to say. Um, when it comes to favorite movie, though, it is so hard because for me, there's like two mm. categories of favorite movie. The first category is like, yeah, okay, we know about like all the obvious ones, 
but like say something that's not an obvious one, right? It's like, well, I, I could just tell you, you know, a classic like Gone with the Wind or something like Star Wars <laughs> or Back to the Future, you know, like something that I grew up with mm. that I love and have watched a million times. But is that actually an interesting answer? Is it interesting to say that one of my favorite movies is Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back? Well, it's like, not really. It's not like, and it, like it's like telling you that Toy Story is one of my favorites. <laughs> so, uh, Lebowski. <laughs> so I find the most interesting answers to this question when people ask to be like, okay, disclaimer, I'm going to tell you about a movie that isn't an obvious pick, and here's my opinion. And um, one of my favorites is a movie called Primer which I don't know if you've all heard of, um, but it is a time travel movie. I love time travel. Huge second time because travel I'm films. a massive time travel fan. Um, and uh, yeah, Primer is the most realistic time travel movie I've ever seen. It's very dense. Mm. It's basically about two guys who accidentally invent a time machine and just what they do with it in real life. Um, and it's quite good. And then there's all kinds of fun time movie stuff. It's the only movie I have ever watched that I immediately rewatched. Mm. I also really like Amelie, which is this French film. Oh, Amelie's um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great film that really did a lot to show me about, um, I don't know, just like the, wh- the whimsy of life in some fashion. Exactly. Um, like what it feels so, like to put your hand in some uh, some grain at the, uh, you know, at the grocery store and that kind of thing. I mean, it's very, it's, right. it's very French and a, a bit of a post, uh, poster kind of. Although don't, don't do that now. Like hand in the grain at the grocery store. Oh, no, no. These days, <laughs> exactly. not, not, not a great pick, but in general, in general, yes. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd have to go down a list of, of, of all my, my favorite films and, um, but but, you know, like food, as I described earlier, I'm, I'm not someone to rewatch movies. Like a lot of people are like, yeah, I have my favorite film. I've watched oh, it 20 yeah. times. I watch it whenever I'm sad. I'm not, not that person. The number of movies I have watched more than one time, I can probably count across my digits. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it's got it's to be fewer than 20. It might be fewer than, than 10 in many cases. Uh, it's, probably, it's probably not fewer than 10, but it's likely fewer than 20 because I really want to have that new experience. And I'm like, hey, if I'm going to try mm. watching something for two and a half hours or two hours, whatever it is, I want it to be a new experience. And um, so I'm always on the quest for new, new fun things to watch. Love it. Good stuff. Um, I think the, the best one to, to kind of uh, finish on and, and, and punctuate everything, though, uh, Gavin, is in just a few words, what does magic mean to you? Community. Yeah. That's the only word I need. Yeah. And tr- it truly is. Excellent. I mean, to me, magic is all about the people. And I love the game. Don't get me wrong. I've played so much magic. And I would love to keep playing Magic. But if you ever tell me, Gavin, you have to choose between never playing Magic again or never seeing the people that you've met through Magic again, I would pick the first one in a heartbeat. Mm. Because as much as I... Although it would make my job very difficult. Um, because as much as I love <laughs> Magic, I've met some of the, my best friends in life and some of the most incredible people I have ever had the opportunity to know through this game and traveling to events and talking with folks. And, you know, the way that, you know, I flew to Australia and I just met up with Shesh... Just because he mentioned, hey, do you want to hang out? Like, mm. that's the magic of magic to me. Um, and uh, I've had countless experiences that are, are far too elaborate to recount here. But it is a truly a life-changing game for me. And it's because of the people more than anything else. Game is great, though. Don't get me wrong. Love the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'll, I'll always keep, we keep working on the game. But it is the people that I am truly yeah. And I, th- I think that's that's the best thing, that um, people start to see what it's meant to my life. And, and the people have met the same thing. It's just like, well most of my best friends now come from this and it's in, in, in that's the reason I'm talking to you today. It's the reason I've, I've made the friends I have through the podcast and, and I met Chesh and you know, this is what it's all about that. It's the card game again is the conduit. Um, we love it and it's, it's just keeps continuing to grow, but yeah, it's the friends we made along the way. I've said before, <laughs> 
Uh, excellent. And the food we eat with them. Oh, my word, yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's the thing. That's why we go into those things as well. Like often then the correlation spans beyond that. It's like, oh, guess how many of us are movie buffs too and how many people like nerd out about music and, and video games and whatever else. And I'm just always really excited to see where that conversation leads for sure. So, um, yeah, thanks so much, Gavin. Um, I've got, I mean, Chesh, was there anything this week you wanted to go through, uh, you know, entertaining-wise, very, you know, kind of timely and, and, and recent at all? Or? Uh, there is, actually. Cobra Kai just got released on Netflix. Nice. Uh, I didn't catch it when it was on YouTube um, because I just thought it was a continuation in continuation of uh, of Daniel, the, the boring terrible boy <laughs> um but apparently now it's switched and the cobra kai dude is now like gonna be the hero of the story and daniel's actually turned out to be you know a real trash human who's <laughs> like a used car salesman and a bit of a dick and i'm like i'm i'm on board to see you know this original what was originally the hero now become yeah, the inversion you know, the the absolute villain yeah um because i actually i know people like that <laughs> yeah I, I absolutely went to people i went to school with people like this so i'm really excited to kind of you know that's that's going to be my binge today i'm i'm putting everything aside i'm not writing any magic articles um today that's going to be tomorrow nice. um i've got nothing on my plate and i'm just going to binge watch some cobra kai and i'm gonna you know maybe go for a, a bit of an exercise when i can uh, but pretty much it's just going to be sitting around at my PC and watching stuff today. Exactly. And look after it. And get some sleep too, Chesh. You are mentioning that before. And you too, Gavin, actually. Like, <laughs> sleep hard. is important. It's, uh, yeah. And I know it's, it's easier said than done half the time with all the projects work and whatever. But, uh, yeah, that's, I don't know, look after yourselves for sure. I, I have problems sleeping during daylight hours. Oh, yeah. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Gavin, is there anything recently um, that you've been uh, digging entertainment-wise or media or anything like that? Well... You know, th- there are some shows and things like that that I could mention. But instead, I think I will – it's not – I didn't see it recently. But I will recommend it because I think people would really enjoy it. But here's the, the pact, listeners, that I'm going to make with you. I'm going to tell you about this thing and you're going to do one of two things. You're going to listen to it and then forget about it and be like, <laughs> okay, well, Gavin – I don't even remember what that thing Gavin said was. It's just some words on a podcast. Or you're going to watch it and you're going to look up nothing about it. Because it is truly something that you need to know nothing about, and it will, you'll so greatly enhance your experience. So take that pact. If you listen to the next five seconds, take that pact. It's this film called One Cut of the Dead. That's all I'm going to say. You should look it up and watch it. Watch the whole thing. Trust me. It is an excellent, excellent uh, film. Excellent. And, and I mean, I think that goes into uh, – that's, that's a great little message too as, as for a lot of media and the amount of things that come from trailers, synopsis, that kind of thing, and, and something Jeff – from uh, MTG Lexicon uh, touch on last week, but a lot of things you're suggesting, don't uh, just Google, get the tab open, get the name, record it, but just don't don't read further, please. And it's, you know, how that can shape your perception of it. And it's, you know, I don't think we do that enough these days, going without any kind of preconceived notions of anything. So bring bring the joy when it's uh, you've got no expectations for it. So agree. Mm-hmm. Love it. I, 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 I promise to fulfill that pact. So uh, I think I know what I'm doing this afternoon. Excellent. Perfect. Uh, uh, I think my only one, Chesh and uh, Gavin, was uh, for entertainment this week was, uh, and I always go to video games, I guess. I don't sit down and watch that many shows these days, unless it's like classic films, whatever. But I've actually had a really awesome time running back through um, uh, No Man's Sky, interestingly enough. And it's, I mean, a lot of people, you can look up the whole 
uh, kind of rocky kind of path of that game and release <laughs> and everything and and you know say what you will about people you know the lane devs yeah people people <laughs> fault and promises made everything but I will say that the last four or five years or whatever it was they've worked tirelessly to continue to. Uh, bring that vision to life and and i've jumped in every six to ten like 12 months and just being delighted with new things to do that kind of thing but for the first time i jumped online with a friend and we played crossplay. so he's on pc i'm on ps4 and it worked amazingly and so now i've also got a friend uh, a longtime friend of mine he's in new york and we're setting up some times to to do the same thing and we're just going to hang out in space and all i could think of from a nostalgia sense was yeah, there's, there's, there's plenty of things this, this game does that, you know, aren't overly original, whatever, but it's like, it, it still is the space sim that, you know, uh, there's, there's so much heart in it and, and, you know, you can essentially just zoom across space with your buds and, you know, explore amazing places that I don't think anyone else has ever seen, that kind of thing. And, and so I'm kind of looking at it under the lens of being a 10 year old again and, you know, the Star Wars obsessed kid. And I was like, well, if I knew this game existed, I would have lost my mind essentially. And I think that's what I go back to these days. The fact that, you know, we're spoiled by choice with everything and dazzled with all the different features and, and everything's trying to just, yeah, dazzle us essentially in the first five seconds. Yet can we just slow down and breathe and enjoy something for the reason we loved it when we we're eight or 10, you know? And, and so that's actually been a lot of fun. So yeah, give it a go again. If, uh, if you've still got it on your steam list or, or that kind of thing, find a friend, just zoom around space. So Good stuff. Uh, anything else you want to uh, finish on, Chesh? No. Awesome. I'm, I think a good time to sign off. But um, more than anything, from the bottom of our hearts, Gavin, thanks so much for hanging out with us in Australia virtually today. Um, you know, I know it's, uh, what is it, your afternoon, I'm pretty sure, uh, in Seattle. But we've... Um, it, yeah, quite- it's nearly 6 p.m. here. I'm actually going to get off this call and go do a little bit more work for the day and then uh, then be done for the weekend. Ah, these magic, magic people being the most hardworking people we can ever imagine so bringing the magic well that's it but it's uh when it means something to you it's it's you know what do they say about doing uh work you love i guess <laughs> now again thanks so much for spending time with us and 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 being so awesome with your answers and everything and, and just having a great discussion but yeah look forward to uh seeing you again in australia one day if hopefully in the next hundred years yes likewise <laughs> likewise well thank you very much for having me on the show and really i want to say just before closing out Thank you to all the listeners for listening. You know, I mean, as I said before, community is such a big part of everything I do. And it means a lot that you take the time to listen and to support a show like this. So um, I hope you all enjoy Commander Legends. When that comes out, by the time you'll be listening to this, you'll know a bit more about um, Zendikar Rising and some other up- cool upcoming stuff. So I hope you're s- stoked for the future of magic. And I cannot wait to help bring it to you. So if you have any questions, hit me up, of course, on Twitter. Um, go watch my YouTube channel, Good Morning Magic. I'm pretty easy to find. So um, send over your thoughts. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Hit him up about kicker on planeswalkers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a whole thing for sure. Uh, <laughs> Chesh, where can uh, where can the people find you? Oh yeah, sure. So you can find me at uh, Chesh Plays on Twitter. Uh, on the YouTube's, you can find us at youtube.com forward slash Cheshire Plays Games. Uh, on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Cheshire Plays Games. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to be back with another episode of Command of the Distancing, uh, which will be myself, hopefully Sam, uh, of course Caitlin returning as well uh, as. Nick from MTG Lexicon will be playing uh, some live commander. Uh, we announced the two winners and did a live stream uh, on Friday for the two double masters boosters that got given away. 
damn you Lufubu <laughs> and getting your foil mana echoes yeah, that, that I can't now steal. Um, but yeah, that was great. So that's us. Ah. Um, if you want to find Commander Crunch, however, uh, Commander Crunch, you can find at cmdrcrunch.fireside.com. Just in case you're listening to this on a podcast app and you want to read the notes. Uh, Twitter at cmdr underscore crunch and instagram you can find us at cmdr crunch uh and of course send us your questions not your weaviles <laughs> to cmdr crunch podcast at gmail.com excellent and uh you can find me at past the jam sam on twitter and instagram but yeah just hit us up through the uh the podcast channels so again it's been awesome uh thank you listeners thank you uh chesh thank you gavin um but yeah any any lasting uh, advice you guys would like to give Keep cracking packs. <laughs> exactly. Nice don't thing. eat mango skin. It's related to poison ivy and you don't want your insides. If you're allergic <laughs> to poison ivy, you really don't want your insides to um, experience that. Take it from me. Love it. Life pro wow. tips from Gavin. I, I actually did not know what, that one. So, yeah, very good. And uh, Yeah, you might, you, might, you might think, I don't know, theoretically speaking, let's say that it's a Saturday afternoon and you're working at Wizards of the Coast, just could be anybody <laughs> really, and uh, and you go over to the fruit bowl and there's just a mango left. And you're a little, little lazy and you're like, well, I mean, you can probably just bite into it. I'm going so to go, go over it. Yeah, exactly. So then you, you just go over, you wash it off, you bring it back to your desk, you eat through half the mango and you're like, great, super easy. Everything's rolling great. Love it. And then you're like, huh, I wonder why no one ever does this. It's so easy. So you Google it and learn um, that you might have just accidentally poisoned yourself. Oh, no. So, uh, yeah, just just really a strong pro tip there. I would not suggest this. True, um, true, true friend. Happened to a friend of a friend of mine. That's, uh, yes, yes. I oh, love it. Uh, yeah, I, I'll just say may all your top decks be good ones and uh, enjoy the community. Be good people. You, you, you got this. Exactly. See you guys. <laughs> Bye.